Hello and welcome to the Wind Thieved Hat. Just before Christmas, I was in the virtual audience for a night of poetry headlined by John Cooper Clark. There were eight poets on the bill that night and one of them stole the show. Her name was Toria Garbutt. Her poems are funny and sad and profound and down to earth all at the same time. In this conversation recorded down the line, I talk about writing and life with Toria. We chat about what it was like growing up in a close-knit northern town in the aftermath of the miners' strike. Toria tells me how she's come to terms with some of the toughest episodes in her life through poetry. She explains how she's got round getting stuck with her second collection, and she shares a technique for making your wildest dreams come true. Oh, and we discuss Sonic the Hedgehog as a metaphor for the creative process. If you enjoy this or any other episode of The Wind Thief Tap, please do leave a review. It'll help other people to find it. But for now, let's say hello to Toria Garbutt. Hello. 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 Thanks Hello. very much. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining me. Um, uh, this this evening on the Wind Thieved Hat. I'm very very pleased to have you here. Thanks very much, Richard. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. How's, uh, how's, how's your day been? How's things going? Yeah, nice, you know. I've had a really nice, chilled, relaxed kind of day where I've not stressed about things. That um, sounds nice. Oh, it has been nice, you know. And I even had a nap this afternoon. Really? Oh, I had one of them really lovely naps where you just feel like a kid again. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Love those. Can't beat an afternoon nap. Oh, I love a nap. <laughs> and then I woke up in like um like a sort of joyful, daft mood. Um went and knocked on my little lad's bedroom and asked if I could come in to play. So we hung out all afternoon. We had one of those nice afternoons of like we downloaded the the original ver- version of Sonic the Hedgehog and uh, played that for most afternoons. So yeah, it's been wicked. <laughs> nice. It sounds like a great day because uh, <laughs> it's it's not easy at the minute, is it? With you know the pandemic and everything going on, to uh, these uh, these sort of relaxed days are I don't know from my own experience a bit few and far between. Yeah, I think we have to try to find the joy in the simple things. And I was yeah. saying this to my partner recently. I think we have to try to make plans that definitely can't be cancelled. Um, yeah. So even if, you know what I mean, things like that, have a game of Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, I think we're all a bit fed up of going to the park, aren't we? But, you know, like we, we've got to try and think of things to do that we know we can achieve because I think just you know we've had so many disappointments and up and downs and yeah certainty and stuff haven't we so yeah yeah I, I think I read that you, you you were homeschooling your kids like even before lockdown is that right yeah so my kids have been out at school system most of the life in that respect not a lot changed for us although um prior to lockdown we were you know meeting up with other families and you know doing activities and stuff together so that's changed, obviously. And actually, my eldest, um, he goes to a democratic school now in, in Hebden Bridge. He just started that before lockdown. So he's, uh, yeah, he's been doing his online schooling. Right. Yeah, it's going good. A, a democratic school, what's that? A democratic school. So the idea is that the kids have 
equal say to the teachers. Right. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so rather than it being uh, an authoritarian structure, it's very much a, a democratic style of education. So the kids will make choices about uh, what they want to learn about, and they have right. meetings. So everyone gets an equal say, which um, yeah, which suits us because obviously, like being out of the education system for so long, I think it would have been big jump for him to go into mainstream and accept that kind of authoritarian structure I think we probably would have struggled a little bit with that yeah because I I, I've found homeschooling one of the hardest things over last year so uh, you'll you'll have to give me a few pointers at the end of uh, the end of the chat maybe I think the difficult thing is is that at the moment parents are being expected to deliver the curriculum at home which is mind-blowing you know and I would do that but I think you know really that's not what uh actual homeschooling is and I think that's uh, I think that's the difference right you sort of follow the kids a bit more and their interests yeah and just chill out a bit with it you know it's not not so intense and stressful yes yeah sort of curriculum heavy you know yeah that that's what I've learned to do really is is not to worry too much about yeah Yeah, sack it off, basically. Sack it off and play Sonic. That's my advice, Richard. That's what I'm doing on Monday, yeah. Uh, (laughs) How do you know when you get past level three, man? I'm struggling. Do you know, I used to play it back in the 90s on the Sega Mega Drive. All the rings and stuff. Oh, honestly, it's like like you never stopped when you get on there, really. It's like you're back then in the 90s. It's fab. Well, I, I guess we should talk about um, yeah. uh, poetry, shouldn't we? Um, yeah, but I, I, so I, I'm really pleased that you, you, you know, you're able to do this because I, I, I saw, um, I, I watched the John Cooper Clark uh, "Wanna Be Yours" at Christmas, you know, just yeah, before yeah. Christmas, and um, you know, it was a great build. But I, I was really blown away by, uh, by your performance. Uh, um, so yeah, I, th- I thought, you know, your work then was, uh, was great, and I've really enjoyed um, reading. Um, uh, the universe and me since dipping into that so um, so thank you for for joining me this evening and I, and I wanted to begin just by um, asking you about when you were growing up and as a kid did you did you fall in love with words did you have a, a relationship with with words early on and poetry or or did that come later yeah I um, I was in love with reading as a kid uh, my grandma had loads of books in her house. Right. So even though I didn't really have uh, much of an experience of poetry, I definitely had. I, I was definitely surrounded by lots of books, and I had a natural thirst for that. I really enjoyed it. My mum and dad both read to us and made up stories at bedtime. My grandma would read to us. Right. Um, yeah, so that's probably that was probably my first connection with words. And then I suppose later on as a teenager – music and lyrics yeah um so this is pre-internet so what we would do is like listen to songs and then scribble the words down on a bit of paper and get most of them wrong but yeah like i was fascinated by doing that and then having a go at singing it myself um but yeah poetry that didn't come on much later on really right right and, and who were the um who, who, were the, who were the bands that you were listening to what who, who were the lyricists that you uh that you, that you liked well funnily enough i were obsessed with jim morrison right the um, doors yeah the doors yeah there's kind of um i thought i mentioned it a bit in one of my poems there's this kind of like 
60s psychedelia vibe among some of the older people in Nottingley, some of the old kind of hippie characters. And, right. uh, yeah, some of their music kind of filtered through to us, I think. Um, through smoking weed, probably, actually, and hanging around <laughs> in older people's houses, you know what I mean? And thinking, yeah. Who's that on that poster on wall, you know, and what's this? Yeah. Happening? And I just connected with all that kind of stuff, you know, Pink Floyd and... The yeah. Doors and Jimi Hendrix. I loved all that. Janis Joplin. So right. I listened to that kind of stuff at like. The sort of 60s uh, stuff. Yeah, my sister had a wicked taste in music. So I listened to a lot of her stuff. So I was listening to some pretty trippy stuff, really, at like sort of age 13, 14, and getting stoned and having a go at writing my own. Uh, Poems, I suppose. I don't know if I knew there were poems then, but yeah, I would just fill notebooks with them. Um, with words really which yeah when I look back I think I were I would think I were imitating Jim Morrison really and I think later right. that sort of developed into an interested in an interest in in uh, beat poetry that's that's how a lot of people begin though isn't it with w- whatever creative form they do it's it's imitation isn't it that sort of gets you going and 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 helps you understand the craft of it I suppose uh, yeah I think that's what we're all doing I think everybody's influenced by somebody um yeah. there's nothing's 100 percent completely original i think we kind of we can't help but be influenced by the people that we speak to or the tv programs i've been watching married at first sight australia and i'm not embarrassed to admit that richard <laughs> and when i fall asleep on a night i have an australian in a dialogue you know like we can't help but be influenced <laughs> by it's the things true. that we watch. You know, and some of my poems as well, I listen back and I think, oh, that sounds like a 90s dance beat, that bit. You know, and it's not a deliberate decision. I think just those things kind of become embedded in, in our work uh, because just because they're in our head, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I've, and that, that's been one of the things about lockdown, I think, is is that while you can still get a bit of inspiration from movies and, and and stuff a lot of the the daily life stuff that you get from just just wandering around and go to the shops that's 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 kind of missing at the moment yeah i think we're i think we're understimulated aren't we i think that's mm. what it is we kind of mm. we need each other don't we need a bit of inspiration i watched a documentary around christmas time about tracy emin and it really picked me up for a good few weeks afterwards i felt mentally brighter you know and right. i was writing more because of it have you been able to keep writing, you know, during this period? Yeah, I've been writing quite a bit actually recently. I um I had a life coaching session and um I really wanted to get to the bottom of what was stopping me from from getting this second collection together. Right. I really kind of got got to the bottom of it and um she did this like Jedi mind trick on me where she set me um a ninety day challenge at the end of which I had to fail it. Um Right. So the challenge was that I, you know, I had to write, write, get my second collection ready, but obviously with a view to failing. Um, and I, yeah, and I've been writing, you know, and and pulling bits together, and it's taking. It, I feel like I can see it taking shape now. It's right. definitely the most I've worked on it for a while. So there's something in that, and I think really what what I got to the bottom of is that, you know, what's been stopping me is the pressure of it. Right pressure of it you know I think well it's it's what the sort of difficult second album thing totally that I just don't want it to be that and then and also like when I were writing the stuff my the stuff my first collection I didn't know it was going to end up in a book so I had a real freedom with it where I would just write in what I wanted to write okay 
you know where uh, the second the second collection i know that i know it will be a published thing yeah and everybody um, who, who loved the first collection is going to be going to be on it aren't they straight away and uh, yeah i guess you don't want to disappoint them don't want to disappoint i want to i want to show progression but i don't want to come across too different it's all that isn't it i know it sounds yeah. i know it sounds really pretentious but it just you know i, I get stuck in my head with that fear of you know wanting yeah, to I get it right and yeah we, we everybody does don't they uh, uh, i think it's um it's really common isn't it the the the, the fear um, that that accumulates around the creative thing you do, the, the fear that you're, it'll be no good, or you're no good, or, or nobody's going to like it, or it'll it'll show that you were just um, you just got lucky. <laughs> last right. Time, you know? Yeah. Well, that's that one of the things that we examined. Actually, she said um, we examined the beliefs that I had around my creativity, and one of them was that I was completely blagging it, <laughs> and that someone were going to just tap me on the shoulder any minute and go, "Come on, love." Yeah. You know what I mean? You've had a good run. <laughs> Well, you, you've got you have got that line in one of your poems, haven't you, about not being a poet but just being a trash TV addict. It's exactly that, you know what I mean? It's it's that, isn't it? It's like I, I spend so many evenings watching things like Married at First Sight Australia, and then sometimes I forget that I'm also yeah. <laughs> I'm also I'm also kind of you know I'm using that label poet that title. Sometimes I think, am I? You know what I mean? Am I though? Yeah. I don't quite yeah. feel that I deserve it. And, yeah. So and what, 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 Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, and then other times I feel like, oh, I am a poet, you know, and, and, yeah. and I can write, and we, you know, and that's, that's, when I'm like mentoring other people, I'm, you know, very positive and encouraging, and I'm just not always that way with myself, which I think is probably often the case, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then um, I'm curious about what the life coach said then. So she, 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 she what she was asking you to write for 90 days. But assuming that you wouldn't get to the end, or how, what, what was how did, how did it work? That yeah, that so I had to set, I had to set myself the challenge so it, I could pick the challenge. She said, "But you are, you you've got to pick something where you feel you've got a seven, at least a seventy five percent chance of failing it." Okay. So I thought, okay, then getting my second collection together. Yeah. And she said, um, "You know, and even if you do manage to achieve it, then you've still failed." So I don't know. I don't know what happened, and I don't really know why it's worked. But I guess it's worked in a way because um, th there's no pressure. Yeah, it made it, made it okay to fail. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it made yeah, it okay yeah. to fail. I think it's, it's, it's a smart trick, though, isn't it? I, I, I like it, that. Yeah. it is a smart trick, and something happened where, like, I started writing again in a way that I just were writing in a playful, like experimental way that I always used to write and I'd missed that feeling yeah. I used to I, you know I when I first started writing I, I had such freedom with it you know and I'd missed that feeling I didn't know where it had mm. gone I feel like it's uh mm. I feel like it's come back again now so because yeah. I, I guess when you write your first collection you're writing for yourself aren't you largely you yeah. know because you, you you have no idea whether anybody would want to read it but then, then with your second collection you you you're 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 more, much more mindful of of who's going to be reading it. There's um there's a great there's a great book by Stephen King about um, writing, uh, and in that book he says the trick is to write with the door closed and rewrite with the door open. 
by which I think he means like when you get the first draft down, not to be thinking at all about you know anything beyond the room where you're writing, yeah. and then it's only when you come back and start revising and redrafting that you sort of allow the rest of the world in, you know, and you start thinking about them. And uh, I always thought that was quite a nice yeah, way. Yeah, good, yeah, good way of putting it. And I think it's that thing as well, isn't it? Like with with poetry, I think what we're trying to do is like capture the spirit of the poem we've got to ca- when it comes over is we've got to catch it quick it's like ted hughes talks about this it's like catching an animal you know you you've got right. to grab you've got to grab it and you know or, or it'll go and you can't think too much about that process you've just got to trust it with an open mind and do it and i think yeah I like that and then the editing comes later yeah yeah it's a nice way of thinking about it so, so when, when, when did you start writing because you, you're i think it was. It says. It says on your, your um, on the website that you, you burst in, onto the scene in 2014. Which, which <laughs> just burst, came bursting <laughs> through the doors like you know, like I'm starting their eyes tonight, Matthew. Right. Yeah. I'm going to be sorry again. A cloud <laughs> of smoke. Yeah, yeah. It kind of yeah. did happen like that, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, it kind of did happen that way. Like, funny thing, because I'd like I'd just been writing privately for a long time, and then. Yeah. Um, I was in an abusive relationship for a long time uh, with my children's dad. And when I left him, I it was a case of like, I'd been living in an environment where I had to, I felt that, you know, for my own safety, really, I had to edit the things that I said. I, I couldn't right. quite just be me and say what I wanted to say. And I'd learned to dilute myself and I'd felt kind of shameful about myself and yeah, lots of negative things for for a long time. Right. Over a decade. And when I left, I kind of came bursting out with this like, you know what I mean? This is this is me actually. This is where I'm from, you know, this, this is who I am. These are the things that I feel ashamed of. This is the pain that I'm feeling. And it yeah. did kind of come bursting out of me. I think probably because it had been held held in for so long. Mm. Like the floodgates came open. I guess, I guess in, a, in a relationship like that, you've got to suppress yourself. I mean, you've got to lock stuff away. And, and, yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, exactly that. And, um, yeah, there's a right time for everything, isn't there? And it, it's funny, really, because I think because of the isolated nature of our life and relationship, I wasn't really aware of a spoken word scene um I didn't right. really know what what were going on out there um and that kind of worked to my advantage so I went along and did a workshop in home first with a bunch of poets called a firm of poets and um like they 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 loved me and they you know they, they asked me to join and we went off on tour and it all happened so quickly and I think I had a real strong sense of my own voice and I think partly because I wouldn't really influenced by what other people were doing just because I didn't know about it you know right I feel like that that's probably worked in my favor anybody who reads your work or watches it online is 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 gonna know um that you come from Nottingley yeah <laughs> uh, and it, it you know there's there's that it's brilliant that that really sort of strong sense of place um uh which is Nottingley and I, I have to say I grew up in Leeds um which isn't that far away but I, as you observe in the poems, not many people stop in Nottingley. You, you, yeah. you, you've got that, that, that really nice couple of lines. That in-between place that nobody knows where nobody's been and nobody's stopped 
in case their fucking wheel trims get ripped off. <laughs> yeah. Exactly that. I mean, you know, Leeds. Wow, Leeds. You know, seemed like fucking New York or something. To bright, the bright lights of Leeds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. Even even in the context of the five towns, not only is the the small kind of like you know forgotten about unloved dysfunctional you know sibling yeah. of the five towns litter. Do you know what I mean? And and yeah, you know. And then so Wakefield seemed Wakefield seemed like a, a big deal to towards in Nottingley. So Leeds were kind of like you know huge. And yeah. I couldn't really imagine life beyond Leeds until uh, probably until I like left college. To be honest, yeah. What, what what was it like as a place to grow up? It's a funny thing. I was having a chat with somebody about this recently because um, I have a real fierce sense of loyalty towards it, and yeah. you know, it, it, if I'm talking to somebody from Nottingley, I feel like it's okay for me to say negative things about it because we're in it together. But to, to talk about it. You know, or, or to imagine people listening to me talking about it, well, from Natalie, I wouldn't ever want to speak badly of it. It's a mm. funny yeah. thing, that, isn't it? It is good, and that and that sort of you know that affection comes through in the work, I think, but also you know the the sort of toughness of it, and um, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a former mining town, isn't it? And the, 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 I guess when you were growing up, there was quite a lot of hopelessness as well. Certainly, a lot of drugs, um, uh, as, as, as you talk about in the poems. It's uh, it's an incredibly insular. Place is not in there. People there stick together, yeah. Um, and yeah, I grew, I, I grew up in, in like the aftermath of the miners' strike, so that sense of like hopelessness and making do and plodding on that kind of that kind of vibe is yeah. I think it's still you heard it in the way people like speak to each other. It's this kind of how are you getting on? You know, hi, uh, not so bad. You know, it's that, it's that, it's the, it's the language of not only two that, that mm. keeps that sort of downtrodden uh, feeling going. And, and I think that definitely comes from unemployment and a feeling of like being shit on really and left behind. You know, Wakefield Council have not treated Nottingley very well you know it's always you know the, the, the closings down in Nottingley we, we always it always feels as if if anything needs to go then let's take it out of Nottingley first it yeah. feels that way you know and I think you know Castleford's got its, its rugby team and Pontefract's got its history and Wakefield's a city and you know and not you know Nottingley's not really got anything it's not even got a library anymore um so, yeah, difficult place to grow up. And as you said, a big drug problem. You know, heroin's a very powerful painkiller and there's a lot of pain yeah. in Nottingley. You don't live there anymore, then? No, I live in Mytham Ride now, um, okay. near Hebden Bridge, which, yeah, it's nice and it's, it's a completely it's a completely different experience, you know, and, and it's, you know, people talk to each other. I feel as if people seem to speak to each other in a more cheerful, upbeat way. Right. But then it's uh, it's much easier to be cheerful and, and upbeat when you're surrounded by, you know, vast expanse of, of beautiful countryside and there's, you know, there's there's not an unemployment problem and there's nice cafes to go to and, you know, it's, it's kind of easy to, to be cheerful when you're in that environment, I think. And, and do you do you, have you, have you done any readings in back in Nottingley? Do you, do you go back and... 
Oh my God, no, I'd be, I'd be very reluctant to do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've done readings in Pontefract, actually. Um, well, that, that's the closest that, you've got. That's close. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've read at my nana's funeral at a, a church in Nottingham. I think that's probably as uh, right as close as I've got to that. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure how it, I'm not sure how it'd go down. And yeah, that's the other thing that I struggle with sometimes. And I struggled with growing up there. I think I, I, you know I, I always felt as though I had a little bit of an identity crisis in in not in leave and wanting to like. Oh. People wanting to go off to uni and do things like that. I, you know, I always worried that people would be thinking, who does she think she is? And does she think she's better than us? And I think it's that fear that would stop me from going back and performing there. That might be completely in my head, but um, mm. it's probably my conditioning from school. Do you know what I mean? I, I felt like, the, you know, a lot of the girls especially didn't like me at school. I stood out at right. all and I had purple hair and wacky shoes and I was... <laughs> You know what I mean? I was smart and in top set, and I didn't, you know, like, yeah, I didn't kind of have what it took to. You had to kind of keep your head down and be hard, and yeah. I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, you know. And I suppose it, it, I fear what I would fear about performing there is that it would be those people watching and they would hate me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Do Do you think that sort of? Uh... That was that was kind of helpful though, in, in giving you a bit of perspective, you know, just be, just being on the periphery of things a bit more. Yeah, maybe so. And I think because I loved music as well, I think I was always aware that there were um, another world out there. Yeah. You know, and I wanted yeah. to be part of that. Liked that. I felt excited when I, you know bought Kerrang or NME and I felt like I could identify with the music videos I was watching on MTV and. Yeah, I very much wanted to go out on Nottingham and be part of a be part of a, a creative scene, which I did very quickly actually. Just before my seventeenth birthday, I moved to Wakefield with my first boyfriend Ryan, who's uh, okay. who's now in the cribs. And again, like Wakefield, it felt like oh yeah, it felt like I'd moved to New York or something, you know. It's 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 interesting that because the, the there's a really um, there's a real sort of beat to you to your poems, you know. They're, they're, they've got a real rhythm to them I think they're, they're like a, a sort of musicality yeah I think you're right and I think I'm interested in um I'm interested in like the natural rhythms of conversation and the natural rhythms of regional dialect um yeah. and I, I try to keep that in my writing I try to keep that sort of like natural um conversational tone yeah it's it because it's sort of it, well it's a lot of it's in kind of Yorkshire dialect isn't it it's got uh, there's no uh, the, the spelling of the words is all sort of as they would sound if you were in Nottingley. Yeah, it's funny really because I think it's when I think about it, a lot of it's you know I want I wanted to to spell it out how I intended it to sound, and when I perform it, it's uh, you know it's performed in my voice obviously in a kind of conversational tone but like like we were saying earlier about rhythm sometimes to the rhythm of like a 90s dance tune which makes for a strange uh, concoction really don't it when you think, yeah. when you think about it yeah 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 but it's, it's very effective and, and what, what's your um so what what do you have a do you have a kind of process then i mean from sort of 
an idea or a moment of inspiration through to through to getting it down on the page how, how does it sort of flow your 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 journey with a poem i have this thing where i want to tell the stories that wouldn't get told otherwise right. um and sometimes things surface in my head and i think yeah i really want to tell that story you know or or sometimes i experience a moment and i think yeah i really want to I want to get that moment down. I want to. I feel like a good poem should be, you know, you, you should be able to bottle up that feeling, mm. give it yeah. to somebody else, so that when they when they open it, they experience it exactly how you are experiencing it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, it's a funny thing, really. It's something that you can't really. If ever I've sat down and thought, oh, I'm going to have a go at writing a poem about this, like it just don't happen you know yeah yeah and well i think you've got to just if it comes over you do it because it'll go and you'll never do it again otherwise and sometimes things feel more urgent than others so like when i left my ex-partner i had such a need to say all those things it was literally one thing after another after another you know and then i put that hot plastic moon out and it you know it all happened so quickly because everything was just coming up and up and up and then um yeah, and then nothing for a while, actually. I felt like, oh, I've actually not really got anything to say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think it's because I felt pretty settled, like I'd got it all off my chest, you know, like okay. a really good therapy session. And then things pop up, you know, things things have popped up every now and again since then. Yeah. You know? And is it is it is it lines come into your head and or, or, or is it just sort of, you know, thinking, I, I, I'd like to, as you say, sort of... Um, you know, uh, encapsulate that experience. And, yeah, and, it's and, more and of a, it, yeah, it's more of a feeling of wanting to encapsulate it, I think, and then I yeah. sit down to do it. And it sound, again, this sounds really pretentious, but I feel like the best poems just just write themselves, you know, like... Yeah. I, I think Note Matters Now is probably, like, one of my best poems, and I didn't sit there thinking about that. It just immediately I knew exactly what I needed to Say you know that in not Louis Smoke Smack for Pain it was just there immediately like that was just very definitely the beginning of the poem and yeah and it just flows from that. That's one of the really beautiful magical things about it, isn't it? When the uh, when when a poem almost seems to write itself, and when a finished work seems almost like it's got something beyond you, you know, it's. Uh, it's it's a really interesting thing. Yeah, it? it is. It is exactly that, and and it's that feeling of you. You know, again, like this does sound a little bit wanky, but it's a feeling that something bigger's working with you. You know what I mean? And you and you, yeah, you, it's not quite you doing it. Yeah, I, um, I, I was I was um, I, I, I write little articles about you know the creative process, and I, I wrote one recently because I I kept noticing that when I was reading about uh, artists and musicians and writers or, or listening to them on the radio they often said that when it was going really well they would get out of their own way like often yeah. literally using that expression and there was I saw first I first noticed it when I was reading um, an interview with Hilary Mantel you know who wrote Wolf Hall and she was saying you know she writes these incredibly complex historical novels and she says you know if I were to sit back and look at one of my books and all the sort of characters and the narrative and the re- I just think there was absolutely no way that I could possibly do it. Yeah. But as so, as soon as you start, if you're lucky, then it sort of you know it acquires a momentum 
of its own and and you just sort of you know step back and and let this thing make itself yeah you're so right it does make itself and it's like even earlier on playing sonic the hedgehog there were a moment where i was just purely in the zone and i were like flying through it and then as soon as i became conscious i died you know as soon as i became like aware of what i was doing and consciously trying to to make it move in a way i wanted it to do then Sonic died, you know what I mean? And it's that, isn't it? It's like when you're in flow, when you kind yeah. of, you know, you, 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 um, what's the word? It's that thoughtless awareness, isn't it? You're in that moment, yeah. but you, you, you're kind of not thinking, you're just being. Yeah. You know, that's and letting the sort it come. Of, and, yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of holy grail, isn't it? So it's a bit like playing uh, pool in a pub, isn't it? At least I find, you know, as soon as, so as I start to think about like where the ball's going to go and what I'm doing, then I, I'm knackered. But you know, particularly if you've had like you know a pint or two, and you're just relaxed, then it just flows, doesn't it? It's um, yeah, it is. It's interesting it's so business. Much, it is interesting. It's so much about that. So much about having achieving that kind of open mind state. Yeah, opening your yeah. heart and and you know not yeah. thinking too much about it. Definitely. And I guess that that sort of ties back to what you're saying about your second collection. You know that um, a lot of you, you, you're you're much more self conscious, at least initially, with that second collection, aren't you? And that's where um, why why it's maybe a bit harder to begin with. Yeah, definitely. And you know, like now I've taken that pressure away. I'm just writing again. And I'm I'm just enjoying writing again. And even thinking, oh, that might not end up in a second collection I've kind of like I'm trying to get that idea out of my head now and just going yeah. back to writing again because I enjoy it you know which is why I started doing it in the bloody first place you know <laughs> right. it started to feel like pressure and uh, you know and, and I thought why am I doing this if I'm not enjoying it you know and, um, yeah. but yeah I do feel that I'm starting to enjoy it again now and I'm feeling that I've got lots of things to say now lots of things to talk about now that now that I'm not trying too hard you know I think I'll try yeah. Which is uh, which is a killer, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. And are, are you finding the the subject matter is is along the same lines as the, as, as the first time round, or, or, or yeah, or, or, no, or, yeah. I, I think I'd invented. We talked a lot about this as well in in my uh, life coaching session. I'd said one of the beliefs that I'd created, one of the rules I'd created for myself, is that now I'm happy. I've got no to say, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, and I was telling myself that. So, you know, obviously that that became my reality. And now I've told that idea to fuck off. What started <laughs> happening is like other memories are surfacing, things that I'd like to talk about. I suddenly remembered a time that um, me and my partner, we, we used to live in Home Firth. And every year there used to be um, Home Firth folk festival right. and right right in the corner of the park a group of people from Nottingley would come and camp they always camped on that corner they called it Copper's Corner and they were always kind of like slightly away from everybody else at the festival and um, I had a walk down there one year with my partner and it was a year after Roachy died and his dad were there and his friends and they were all there on Copper's Corner and somebody were playing um, guitar and the you know like just kept kind of fucking it up and people are getting you know like when people are kind of getting frustrated because someone's fiddling around with a guitar and everybody just sort of wants the song to kick in and yeah the vibe were heavy like the vibe were really right. heavy and I don't play guitar very well but I do know a few crowd pleasers and okay. I was just dying to get hold of the guitar and like 
play something loud and joyful and just kind of like bring the vibe up, especially considering it were, you know, the year after Rochi died. It would have been like a, a special thing to do, a nice thing to do. And, you know, somebody there was saying, can someone else just play a tune? But because I were in this relationship, you know, in that abusive, controlling relationship, I didn't dare do that because my ex-partner wouldn't have liked that amount of attention on me, wouldn't have liked right. me being the centre of attention and having that kind of creative, connective experience. So I didn't I didn't do it. And I, re- and I remembered that the other day and I thought, fuck, and I need to write that down. <laughs> okay. So there are some, like, there's kind of echoes of the first collection because I'm finding that I'm still writing about things that tie me to Nottingley and I think I always will do. Mm. Um, so much of who I am and so many of my experiences are kind of rooted in that. But then there's new thing, new things in there too, you know, and um, yeah, some nice like kind of softer, um, hopeful little pieces. So... Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pleased with how it's coming together, to be honest. And a few old ones, that's the other thing. I think, you know, there's a few poems that I didn't put in my first collection that I think I probably will put into my second. And some of those poems are, I don't know, like 15 year old. So, okay. Yeah, probably a bit of everything, really. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to Have you got like a, you, you both got as far as knowing when it's coming out? Then, yeah, I guess. I'd like it to come out in spring. I feel like it's going to sp- just spring out in spring. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah I've got an idea yeah. that it will do, so hopefully. New dawn. Uh, Lovely. Yeah. Uh, um, you, you write, you know, you, you, write, you write about the good and the bad, don't you? And one of the things in, in uh, the universe for me is that is there are some quite tough times in there. Um, and I wondered to what extent poetry's felt like a kind of therapy for you you meant you mentioned on, on on the website about um using poetry to turn pain into purpose yeah exactly that i think it's uh it's such a unique art form in that way such a personal art form isn't it in that it's almost like sharing your diary really yeah um, it's, I, I don't know whether you you know how comfortable you feel talking about it but it, 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 it it's some of the most searingly sort of vivid and and powerful poems are, are those where you write about your sister yeah and i you know i think what i've learned is that when we when we share those things that are the most painful to us and we, we talk about the things that hurt us the most and the things that we're most ashamed of or scared of um rather than people judging you what i've found is that it brings people closer to you mm. um because I think really, Richard, I think we're all the same, aren't we? We we all we sure. all guilt and shame and fear and um when somebody says it out loud, when somebody calls it, I think it's almost like a relief for other people to, to hear it. That's that's been my experience. And it's a funny thing, you know, writing about my sister, because we don't we don't um she's not in my life at the moment. It's been a right. it's been a really difficult journey with my sister's um drug addiction. You know, when I, I sure. kind of, you know, I tried to have a relationship with her while she's still an addict, but it's very difficult. And so in the end, I've kind of, you know, the, the message is, you know, I love you and I'm here for you and, you know, I'd love a relationship. 
if you could get some recovery yeah. um and so and so that's you know that's my stance and you know and, and that's kind of what i'm sticking to and i've stuck to for a few years now but what i do is very aware that she does watch my videos and stuff like that um okay. so i'm finding myself communicating with her <laughs> through the work through, through through my work yeah like right right i had a poem i had a dream about her a few weeks back and wrote a poem about it and then i ended up reading it during an, an interview and i knew that she would see that because obviously you know she she doesn't have my phone number or anything like that um yeah. so yeah it's kind of become a form of communication wow Wow. Well, I guess if you are to communicate, then to do it in that way is 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 yeah. is, is maybe a good way to do it. You know, when the words are really considered and from the heart. And, uh, yeah. yeah, that's the thing about it, isn't it? You know, when you, when you, when you take the time to put to to form, you know, to put those thoughts and feelings into a poem and you've crafted it, it's something that you've thought about. Where it's, uh, it's you know, it's it, it takes all the. Um, um potential sort of i don't know i I think it's it would be difficult for us to have a conversation in person um yeah would say those things in person i think yeah i'd I'd be feeling far too kind of like triggered and angry and upset but um i'm glad that i share those moments with her in poetry because even though like you know do have so much resentment really and anger towards her ultimately i you know she's my sister and it's 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 you i will never in my life have that bond with anybody else you know i love her in such a unique way and i'm glad that she knows that i'm glad that she is that in my work because i probably wouldn't tell her that if i saw her in person you know what i mean mm-hmm. do, you, do you find that writing poems sometimes helps you sort of reconcile yourself to to things that have happened in the past yeah definitely i think writing's a really really good way of making sense of things um yeah. and processing and, and and maybe even like drawing a line under things as well you know yeah once it's down on paper and you've said it and you've got it out it kind of becomes a thing of the past it maybe it's you know you don't feel as though it's, it's, it's controlling you anymore or driving you you've done something with it you know you've you've got it out of you and you've turned it into something and yeah yeah, yeah, very much. Because you've you, you worked with people, with young people and, and, and people in prisons, haven't you, as, a, as, a, as an educator? Um, I guess that's relevant to that experience. Yeah, I do quite a lot of work in prisons. I've been doing some stuff over Zoom, actually, um, through lockdown. And, and that's, you know, that's something that I always encourage other, other people to do as well because I think we're all naturally creative Richard you know I think we can all tap into that you know we can all learn the skills of of an art form if we practice at it and we really want to do it and I think you know a lot of people have this perception of poetry that it's an elitist thing and it's you know it's it's got to follow a certain set of rules that I don't understand and it's not fun um yeah like I just like to help people to to write something that they feel great about actually and to know that what they've got to say is valid and, and interesting yeah. and also for them to experience that therapeutic effects that we were just talking about and that connective experience in, in sharing those personal painful experiences yeah so t- tell me a bit more then about the the, the 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 prison workshops that you do do you do you, do you find people are i mean do, do, do they go there voluntarily or, or? 
Yeah, they uh, they volunteer to take part. Okay, so that that would presumably mean they're they're receptive from the beginning, are they, or are they a bit sceptical? Um, <laughs> a mixture of both, actually. Okay. I think you know, some of them just looking for something to do, um, sure. you know, and, and they just kind of come along to see what's happening type thing. Um, but it's funny because sometimes, um. They kind of go into it with this sort of like trying to trying to impress you vibe, you know, like listen to the listen to this rap that I've written, and uh, then you know, like a couple of times, well, it's, it's happened quite a lot actually. Some of the inmates have like gone on to kind of like perform these really sort of like misogynistic, offensive, like <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like really like sort it's a bit of awkward, yeah. <laughs> crazy raps, and then. By the end of the course, when they realise that I'm just really not interested in, in that kind of thing, yeah. they're uh, producing really beautiful like descriptions of, you know, stroking the the soft caterpillar of the nana's skin and right. you know, really, really beautiful, soft, great, yeah, oh, just words and 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 memories. That must be a very rewarding experience to do that to. To yeah. sort of uncap that in people a little bit, I guess, in people maybe you've, you know, who are not seen through that lens, are they really, by society, you know? It's, um, yeah, yeah. I, get, I do get such a lot out of that. And, you know, I was having a conversation earlier with somebody about the power of words and the power of the sayings that we grow up around. I do um, an exercise called I Come From. Um, and everybody has to write down I come from and then the kind of sayings that they come from what kind of sayings did they growing up and often right. it's things like boys don't cry and this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you and you know okay. put, put up and shut up and you know and those words become our internal dialogue um, yeah. and ultimately shape our reality and for a lot of these lads that I work with you know as crazy as it sounds like They've not really heard people say, well done, and right. wow, you can write. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. I think words are transformative in that way, and I'm not saying that, you know, we can change the world by writing a poem, but what I'm saying is that, you know, some self-belief and self-esteem um, goes a long way and a bit of praise and encouragement. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I see it. I see it, Richard. Yeah. The thing it's not you know it's not just an idea i feel it and i feel it amongst the, the lads by the end of the week i feel the difference in the energy compared to the start of the week yeah, yeah. and yeah i feel really honored to be a part of that i feel probably out of all everything that i do i would say that's probably the thing that i get the most out of doing how did you get involved with it in the first place so i just tagged along with a friend of mine um okay who were working in Humbra, Hull HMP. Humbra, I think, was the first one that I tagged along to. Um, I think, like anything, if you want to do something, you've just got to start doing it for free, mm. um, and then and then get good at it, and then get paid for it. Is the uh, you know is is the dream, isn't it? So um, yes, yeah, so I just started doing it, and I and I loved it instantly. And I'm doing my teaching qualification now, and um, I think I'm probably going to go on and work with young offenders because I feel like I don't know I feel like that's my thing it's the thing that I'm it's the thing that I'm good at doing so yeah 
And how um, how's it been not performing for you? Because I, I got the impression watching you that you're somebody who enjoys reading your words to an audience. Uh, is that is that true? <laughs> yeah, I, re- I really miss it. Actually, I, I really okay. do miss it, and I feel I felt like it's not been all right for me to complain about it because I think fucking hell, you know, like people are going yeah. through a lot worse, aren't they? Sure. It sounds, you know, it sounds a bit bratty, doesn't it? Like, ooh, I miss being, I miss being on the stage, you know. But, um, yeah. Well, as somebody who's, as somebody who's often in the audience, I miss being in the audience too. So I reckon, I reckon on here, it's you, you, you can have a bit of a moan about it. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, let us have a whinge. Well, yeah, because yeah, on your website, it's you know, it's you've got all your sort of, you know, some, some their, their album and their YouTube videos and a bit of biography. And it, under uh, upcoming shows, it says there are no upcoming oh. shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? You're telling me, I love it when I get that list of shows up. Yeah, it's yeah, just, just a tumbleweed sort of. Yeah. Oh man, I know. And you know, I've done a few online things, you know, but it's not the same. I just love the excitement of it. And like, because I've been lucky enough to um, to tag along with John Cooper Clark and Co. You know, it means yeah. that I've been yeah. put in front of some fucking huge audiences, and you know, like, yeah. can't really beat that adrenaline rush it's like nothing else I've ever experienced so right. I am missing that and, I, and I'm missing that connection with with the audience as well because kind of like what we were saying earlier about like the writing process how you feel like something something big is at play I feel like a poem's not really complete until somebody's listening to it yeah yeah I was I was reading um uh Kay Tempest's book recently that she wrote yeah. on them um, on connection I think it's called there's the work and there's the writer, and there's the audience, and there's that sort of triangulation between the three, and 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 that's the sort of circuit. And when that circuit's in place, then you get a sort of you know power. But when one of those is out of kilter, then then you you, you just miss that, you know. Yeah, and I feel like really over the years, the poems have grown in front of audiences. Like when I practice on my own, they don't sound anything like they do in front of an audience. And sometimes the line comes out a certain way or I feel a certain way. And I think, well, I wasn't really expecting that. Do you know what I mean? And that's right. that come purely from from that connection with with the audience. It's, um, yeah, we need each other, don't we? It's like Roxy Hart says in uh, Chicago. I love the audience and the audience loves me and I love them for loving me and that's because none of us got enough love in our childhood. <laughs> and that's showbiz, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully we'll, uh, you know, you'll, you'll be back on the road before too long. I, I, do you know, I was supposed to be seeing Henry Normal tonight. That was um, oh. in Bristol. That was in me, um, that was in me diary. Uh, oh, Henry Normal, was, yeah, brilliant! I enjoyed the podcast that you did with uh, oh, right. yeah, Henry Normal. Lo- 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 lovely man. Well, um, I, it, it's really lovely to um, to talk to you, and um, I, you know, I I, 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 I love listening to you, and I've really enjoyed the work. The, the, the book that's out at the minute is The Universe and Me, isn't it? And um, yeah, uh, and I read somewhere uh, when I was doing my research for this that. Um, one of the reasons for that title is that you develop this idea that if you visualise something, you could make it come true. Is that right? That's totally right. Yeah, you've really done your own work here, haven't you? I've, I've done. A, I've got nothing else to do at the minute. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and you thought about, well, you, you, you t- tell me more about that. Yeah, so this all kind of happened around the time that I um, I left my partner. I think I got to a point in my life where I just felt like I had nothing to lose. You know, I felt very unhappy with where I was at in my life. And um, I developed this relationship with the universe. I completely surrendered myself to a higher power. Um, and, you know, read quite a lot about this idea of, of, of visualisation and... yeah manifestation and um i just didn't really have anything to lose richard so i thought well i might as well have a go so i began by um visualizing you know meeting john cooper clark that one of my big said watched a thing about it and it said dream big you know what i mean don't don't if you're gonna go dream big the only thing is you've got to really believe it you can't be kidding yourself on because the universe will know so I started going to see some John Cooper Clark shows and I started visualizing myself coming out first and you know what I mean ladies and gentlemen please right. like Victoria Garbutt like I felt it you know what I mean I really, <laughs> I really felt it and um, yeah lo and behold Bloody hell. So it, it, was, it was that specific. <laughs> so specific, yeah. yeah no. wow. things, things just fell into place. I knew exactly what to do in order to get there. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I don't know. I yeah. think when you're in alignment with what you really want to do and and you believe that you can achieve it and you kind of meet the universe halfway, I think you can't just sit around daydreaming. You know what I mean? You've got to yeah. make some kind of effort, but definitely a believer in that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so me, me, me. Next, maybe predictable question is: What are your visualizations about now? What, what, are you applying the same technique to the next phase? Yeah, I am. You know, I tell you what, I really would love. I'm, I'm working on a script at the moment, um, okay. and I'd love to develop that into something. I'm not sure if I've got enough confidence in it yet, or enough of a clear idea about where I would like it to go. But um, yeah, I'm starting to, I'm starting to visualize you know, this play being put on somewhere. I'm starting to think about who I might be able to work with. And, um, right. But, yeah, I think I probably, I think I need to work on it a little bit because I think, because it's a new area for me as well, script writing. Yeah. I think I don't have that same sense of, like, confidence and, and belief that I had in my poetry. I had this, wow, I had such a, brave passionate belief that I was going to join John Cooper Clark on tour like there was no doubt about it like I was definitely going to make it happen do you know what I mean and I'm trying to conjure that back up now but I don't know if that was just a bit of a one-off I don't know if that's what comes right. from feeling oppressed for so long do you know what I mean well you've got 100% track record with it haven't you so uh, yeah, you know that's true that's true yeah, and, but, I, and I kind of visualize smaller things and that on a regular basis yeah yeah and presumably you were you told uh, you've told John Cooper Clark about this. Yeah, I told him he thinks it's brilliant and uh, <laughs> read the writing. So when when I first started, like asking if I could join him on tour, it was like no chicks on tour type thing. It was like a complete oh, yeah. no. This is never going to happen. And at the time when I were like like planting the seed in his head and stuff like that we'd gone out I'd, I managed to blag myself out for a meal with him and all sorts you know what I mean I'd got right. <laughs> I'd kind of got kind of got right in with them all yeah. and um at this point I only really had a couple of poems you know but I just really believed in it and the, the one of the first poems that I'd 
created for uh, for stage purposes. The first line where I want to drink whiskey with John Cooper Clark. And then we'd gone out for a meal this night and then lo and behold, we sat drinking whiskey together and I told him this story Brilliant. about how I were definitely going to join him on the floor. <laughs> and then it happened. Amazing. Uh, that's lovely. Um, yeah. Right. That's what I'll be doing tonight when I get into bed. I'll be visualising. Visualise, yeah. Partic- particular future. Dream big. That's what I'm going to do. Um, uh, so, uh, would you? Uh, would I, I'd love to um, to have you read a poem if that's uh, if that's okay with you. Just just to finish off, would that be all right? Yeah, that's great. So I'll do a poem from the second collection. So it's not published yet. Oh, fantastic! And um, yeah, it's, I had postnatal depression for a long time, and then on my son's. 12th birthday um something happened and i had a realization so this poem's about that it's called good man eden today you are 12 two giant silver balloons a one and a two suspended like moons this daft animal song plays by accident instead of happy birthday on youtube and i just laugh For once, I'm not crushed by imperfection. In fact, I prefer it. Your brother says, because it's your birthday, you can punch me on arm. And you do. And that birthday buzz is snuffed like a candle. He cries and you're too hard on yourself. You've learnt that from me. But this time, I don't react. Today, I am older too. Instead, I hold space for peace and calm and like all pain, it passes with forgiveness and acceptance and strong arms. We go out for breakfast, tell tales over toast. This waitress tells me about her son. We talk about all our sons, those ones we mother on behalf of others. She says, I can tell you're a good man. And for the first time, I let it land. I am. I am. I am. Thank you, Toria. That's, uh, that, that's, that's beautiful. Really nice. Thank you. Well, it's been amazing talking to you. And uh, um, uh, I, I thank you very much for, for your work and, 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 and for your time. And, uh, you know, as soon as, um, as soon as that little corner of your website is filled up with dates, I'll... Um, <laughs> I'll look for my nearest, yeah. Please do. I might just put a list up anyway, just a black list, you know what I mean? Just <laughs> yeah, <pretending>. yeah Ma- <laughs> Madison Square Gardens and uh, exactly. yeah, Wembley Arena. Wembley yeah. <laughs> Arena, yeah. Why not? Oh, thanks, Richard. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much. You, you, you're very welcome. And uh, yeah, have, have, have a good weekend and um, all the best. Thanks a lot. You too, mate. Take care. So there you go. I really enjoyed my conversation with Toria and I hope you did too. Her first book is called The Universe and Me and you can find out more about her work and see some of her performances at toriagarbett.net. Thanks for listening. I've been going a bit easy on the recordings of late because it's kind of hard doing them down the line. I'm also on a deadline to write a book of my own. But I will be picking up the pace in the spring. And if there's a creative person you'd like to hear interviewed, then drop me a line via my website, which is richardholman.com. For now, keep well. See you next time.
Bye-bye.